Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on May the 7th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, dangling things over my head. Caffeine rage. And that sounds a lot less sexy than what it really is. <laughs> I know. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. The Sonic movie director, Jeff Fowler, vows to fix the character design. Kerbal Space Program's second expansion lets you do science on the final frontier. Rainbow Six Siege's reverse friendly fire team killing fix is going live tomorrow. A general topic, are AAA game studios scaring off new talent from entering the industry? We'll have a weekly community corner with a focus on this week's or this past week's game night. And we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Good evening, Rage. Good evening. Dangling your fast internet <laughs> speeds over my head. Probably that conversation is, is good fodder for Franken content, so it'll show up at some point. But yes, you're, you're, everyone's internet is better than mine. Sad face. That's the short, short version of that. Yeah, I need to buy a modem so I could return this one and save it, uh, 120 bucks a year. Yeah. That's- I don't... Uh, I'm not in a huge hurry to do it, just because uh, my options for it are kind of limited. <laughs> or at least the ones that they yeah. support. Charter charges the same fee whether or not you have your own equipment. So I just said, fuck it, I'll let you guys provide it, and then if it goes wrong, then I'll make you fix it. I think it's like $6 a month on our bill. Yeah, see, mine I was like, is- oh, I'll just buy my own modem. And they were like, yeah, we still charge you the fee. Wow. I'm like, well... Yeah, exactly. And the guy was like, ah, oh, it's company policy. I'm like, fuck your company uh, also policy. Also known as, you have no choice, we own you. Yeah, I don't have a choice. EPB is like a mile down the road, and because of our shitty governor and his stupid laws to put money in Comcast and Charter's pockets <laughs> doesn't I know allow... That feeling. Doesn't allow EPB to go any farther. They're right there. Ah, EP, do, for for anyone who's unfamiliar with the Chattanooga area, EPB Fiber Optic is one of the number one municipal uh, fiber internet companies or fiber internet providers in the country. Chattanooga is known for as Gig City because of EPB Fiber Optic, and uh, they're a mile away from my house. But they they were stopped before they came up this way offering their services. It's very sad. I'm very sad. Uh, you, you just uh, sit on your lawn and just look off into the, into the distance uh, in the direction of the <laughs> nearest nose like one day. There's a bunch of trees in the way but I know it's there. I drive past <laughs> it every day on my way home from work and stare at it longingly. Almost like I'm a stalker. Like one day. I'll get my hands on you. Yeah, I just decided to Google uh, uh, your governor, and he has a lot of interesting policies. A lot of asshole policies. I'm feisty tonight. Yeah, really? I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because I had like a good... I mean, I'm tired. I had a busy day at work today, but I'm feeling pretty good. 
I think I'll, fingers crossed, I think all this work politics shit from the last couple of weeks has finally blown over. <laughs> Things are perking back up around the office. Yeah, now, so. uh, now it's national politics again. Yay. <laughs> but I can at least, at the end of the day, bury my head in the sand and say, nope, I've had enough internet for today. I can't really do that at my office. Oh, of course you get back to that. Uh, sorry, I'm still uh, going through the different le- legislations like, wow, this guy's kind of an ass. Welcome to the South. <laughs> Granted, you're familiar with that. Uh, technically, I'm in the South. I both know what the Mason-Dixon line is, and I live south of it. Yeah, I did not vote for Bill Lee. I voted for Phil Bredesen. He did not win. He did Obviously. not even come close to winning. Well, of course. But well, uh, well, to be fair, I didn't vote for my governor either, and then he changed party, so I definitely won't vote for him. Yeah. So, I saw a thing this week that I want to talk about right at the top of the show, oh, boy. just briefly. I swear I, I didn't do it. what this thing was. So, I went and saw Endgame this weekend. I'm not going to spoil Endgame. I'm not really t- going to talk about the movie at all, except for one specific scene that... <laughs> frustrated me (laughs) so in case you don't know dear listener uh epic and marvel studios have had a a partnership for the last couple of movies now in infinity war they did a a marketing thing where that in Fortnite there was a special well there's another one going on right now well yeah i know but for infinity war there was a special game mode and some cosmetics, and then for Endgame, there has been another special game mode and some more cosmetics tied into the movie. And I don't think there was anything in Infinity War that had to do with Epic Games or Fortnite. Maybe I missed it, but I've seen that movie like a dozen times now, and you think I would have noticed that. But in Endgame, pretty early in the movie, there's a specific scene with several characters for about 15 or 20 seconds interacting with Fortnite. They play it. Uh, I like how you're saying interacting and not playing. (laughs) Yeah. They air quotes play it for like, I don't know, 10 seconds on screen. And then Thor yells at a character whose name is Noob Slayer 69. And he, he yells at him and insults his mother and says that if he continues to do whatever it is he's doing, harass his friends or whatever, he's going to fly to his house and do bad things to his mother. And I'm just like, uh, uh, okay, thanks. So, so we're back to this? For, yeah. Like, if it was just, like, you know, a marketing sort of sponsorship, whatever, and it's just like they're playing Fortnite in the background, that's fine. I mean, that dates it a little bit, but there's plenty of product placement in movies and TV shows, and that's basically just kind of expected at this point um, in any uh, any project, any, you know, movie development, especially if that nature, you know, as big as Endgame was. But then they, like, specifically, like, make this joke at gamer culture. And, I, you know, I get it. Maybe I'm a little ex- too sensitive to that because I am a gamer and I don't behave like that and I hate people who behave like that. But it's like, here's what we think of you. And it goes to some other stuff that happens in the movie, like this sort of a character development that happens. 
I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else because, you know, it's only been out for a couple weeks at this point, And even though it's like the biggest movie in history ever, I, there's still plenty of people who might have not gotten a chance to go see it who want to. So I won't say anything more than that. But it speaks to some overall character traits that are going on developments from Infinity War that some of these characters are going through. That's it's just like, really? That's, yeah, it's like, that's how you're going to roll with this? Okay. So I just wanted to point that out. For me, that's going to date in-game real quick. Even by next year, or the next couple of years, as Fortnite fades out of consciousness. Hopefully. Because, I mean, it can't exist in the public conscious forever. Even if it's still a big game. Yeah, especially with... I really think Battle Royale is kind of at its peak right now. Yeah, I do too. Could be wrong, but I agree with you. But even you think of other juggernauts in the industry, World of Warcraft, StarCraft II, um, League of Legends, like they have all faded more to the background. They're still big games, big properties. It's not like they're dying or anything, but, you know, they're much more in the background. I suspect that will happen to Fortnite in the next couple of years. But that little marketing spot in Endgame will live on forever. Yeah. Oh, at least it's not as bad as the Gravity Assist in The Martian. <laughs> yeah, it carries the same level of cringe factor for me, but in you know, it's at least it's not explaining a Gravity Assist to the director of NASA. Yeah, I mean, really? Yeah. Oh, I also watched an, I also watched another movie this week about a dog going home. I think it was called A Dog's Journey Home. It was for family movie night. My kid picked that movie. It was not a very good movie. It's very clearly a movie for children. The acting is very bad. The special effects are terrible. But my five-year-old loved it because it had a dog in it. And the dog talked to us. Or you could hear the dog's thoughts as if it was talking. Because, you know, someone was doing voiceover for it. But my kid was like, wow, she talks. The dog talks. You know, you should uh, introduce him to Homeward Bound. Yeah, we're going to. Now that he's interested in... We got a whole bunch of <clears throat> a whole bunch of dog movies to introduce him to, or a whole bunch of animal movies, I guess. But a, a dog's way home. Sorry, not a dog's journey home. Uh, I guess Babe is on the list as well. Yep. Yep. Which yep. And actually Babe, beat City. Apollo thirteen for uh, best visuals of that year uh, for the Oscars. I did not know that. that that's, that's one of those. Uh, that's one of those little factoids that. Or, well, not factoid, but facts that kind of stuck in my mind. I'm- I do I do appreciate that film and sort of modern or popular cultures came a long way in terms of, like, LGBTQ issues. Like, I'm, I know I'm way off in the weeds here, but both Endgame and A Dog's Way Home had character moments in it, like, that were very clearly like these people are gay, but they're just people, and I, I'm calling more attention to it than the movie does, and I appreciate that because I I know a time most people know a time when if you were uh you know an effeminate male character that was code for evil, you know the traits that portrayed homosexuality and transgenderism and things like that code for evil, and I know that that still exists. It's not like oh it's all gone now, it's cured. But just seeing, like, one, a the most massive movie property in history, and then just, like, a, a kid's movie as well. Like, this very wholesome kid's movie just approaching 
LGBTQ culture as like, yep, this is just a thing that exists. Don't worry about it. It's normal. Just makes me feel happy inside. So way to go, A Dog's Way Home. And also, end game. you did it. You win. And probably other movies, but I don't watch as many new movies as I used to. Having a family and, you know, adult responsibilities kind of cuts down on that. I try to play more video games than going to the movie theater. That's cheaper. <laughs> it is. And speaking of video games... Oh, you're going with that segue. Yeah, I, I specifically said it that way on purpose to create a segue. And then I pointed out. Absolutely. It's our job to ruin each other's segues. But why don't you go ahead and start, because we've each got two, and one of them is shared between the two of us, so you can start. Which I uh, have mine ordered in that way, so we could share the second one. Uh, but the first one is uh, War Robots. This is a mobile game, but it's also on Steam, so it's one of those weird ones that's kind of straddling the line between PC and mobile. And based on the reviews on the uh, Steam version, it's practically the same. So let's just roll with it. So it is a mech game, and it was actually in your discovery queue towards the beginning or middle of last year. And that's part of the reason why I grabbed it, is that I saw it pop up on the Google Play Store and thought, that name sounds familiar. And I checked the lists because, you know, we keep the Discovery Queue list. And I saw that, oh, that was one of yours. So it seemed like a, a good uh, thing to check out. Oh, boy. <laughs> I went into this with a tempered expectation, all right? Uh, because it mm-hmm. is a mobile game. And it stooped below even that. So let's go with the good first, alright? Because that'll be brief. It <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It actually plays somewhat well with uh on screen controls. It has a uh uh the left uh, uh on screen thumbstick controls uh essentially your movement in relation to the camera. And the camera uh, pan controls the mech torso. So it actually controls somewhat well. And it has it uh, built around essentially everybody constantly using alpha strikes. uh, uh, Using the mech warrior term. Where you're Mm -hmm. pretty much constantly firing all your weapons at all all times. Uh, You don't have to worry about heat. There is locational damage. But they don't bother to tell you about that until... You know, you have an arm blown off. Uh, pretty varied uh, arenas. Uh, they slowly introduce uh, different game modes. Like, at first, it seems like the most popular one, which is the first one that you encounter, is a domination mode, which is uh, a combination team deathmatch and capture point. So you can win uh, via either just destroying the enemy team or just capturing points and holding them for long enough to have the victory timer count out. Uh, as you uh, progress through the game, you unlock different mech bays that you could bring more and more uh, mechs into the... Uh, well, sorry, robots, because they're definitely not mechs, right? <laughs> right, definitely not. Uh, you could bring more mechs in to essentially have extra lives, and you don't ta- essentially tap out until you run out of all your mechs. So someone that's played for a bit that has more than one mech has a severe advantage. 
and this game is pay to win out the ass. Or I should say out the tailpipe. <laughs> I mean, more so than usual, actually. Uh, but I'll get to that in just a moment. Let's see. Pretty varied uh, uh, environments, like I said. And also, they threw a fair amount of different mech options at you fairly quickly. The problem is that this has bubble game out the wazoo. So let's start with how the mechs operate. All the mechs have a leveling system built into them where you throw some money in, you go through a timer, and the mechs level up. And as they level up, they get more more health, they get more speed. And very, very quickly the timer starts to get a little obscene. The first heavy mech I got, which was within, I would say, two hours of gameplay, and that's just me goofing around and you know trying out the dis- different systems as well. Care to guess how long the timer was to level it up from the base level that I got it at to the next one? Uh, 12 hours. Try twice that. Oh, it went to a day pretty much immediately, which is pretty much the kiss of death for me playing a game to begin with. And it's one of those systems where you could only level up one thing at a time and it's constantly bugging you to level things up. So uh, you buy a new weapon off the store for the in-game currency. Well, first level up is five minutes, then it's 15, then it's a half an hour, then it's an hour. So, you know, you've pretty much got a couple hours into one weapon. And sure, you could throw some of the uh, you know, paid currency into it, which they do kind of triple uh, trickle in. Uh, the top three on the winning team gets a, a pittance of uh, the paid currency. Plus, you know, of course, because this is a mobile game, it has loot boxes. <laughs> and the loot boxes have... A- Actually, the loot boxes have a ton of the paid currency in it. But, in order to unlock those, you either have to buy keys, or I should say, multiple keys, because this is a weird, weird system. The base crate. There's three different tiers of loot crate in this, alright? <laughs> the base one. You could either watch an ad, or pay ten keys. The next one is a hundred keys, but you can't watch it add to open that, but it has a lot better stuff. Then the third tier, I think it's like 500 keys or a thousand keys. And the winning team, the top scorer, all right, mind you, gets five keys. <laughs> I'm just picturing a, a, a giant, like, safe with a thousand <laughs> keyholes. <laughs> And like the old man from the Matrix, the the keymaster, the, the keymaster, like walking up and like very slowly unlocking <laughs> it. And like uh, inside uh, is like a dried turd. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just uh, one of those systems where you know it feels exploitative right from the beginning. They don't even give that grace period of oh you know this game's kind of cool oh. I mean, they bash you over the head with it pretty much immediately. Which, you know, is pretty much yeah. what I was expecting. But on top of that, all right, it gets worse. <laughs> they also have boosters that you can pay uh, 
some of the paid currency to go into. Now, usually, okay, uh, these type of games do have some sort of, you know, uh, you know uh, skip the grind uh, booster, which really tells you just how well the leveling up uh, mechanics are paced, right? But, yeah. but, 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 this one had the experience booster, it had a damage booster, it had a defensive booster, and it had a speed booster. And all of them are separate paid currency. Boss. <laughs> and they're very, very limited in time. <laughs> and it has a VIP system on top of it. <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. I I played this game once. Uh, I can't remember if you two pl- years ago. I can't remember if you played it or not. I know it was on your Discovery Cube. I can't remember if you played it. Yeah, I think I said I've played this on when I when it was on my Discovery U. I think I said like I played this on mobile uh a while back and talked about it for like a minute. You're talking about a lot of stuff that I don't remember that I suspect was always in the game and I only played it for maybe like an hour tops and then I was like, Okay, this is this is just mobile game trash basically. When it comes to just like the the biggest thing that got me was the timer, how yeah. long the timers are yeah, for especially how quickly research they and upgrade. Up. Uh, how quickly they ramp up and that you can't stack them. Because, okay, yeah. if you could stack, you know, like leveling up all your weapons overnight, yeah, okay, it makes it slightly more palatable, but no. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, the heavy uh, mech I got, all right, it had a, uh, an additional slot on it that allowed me to equip a utility item, all right, to heal myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Care to guess? Care to guess what? Uh, uh, Give me a hint. Uh, uh, Care to guess what fuckery went on there? Um, that the healing item re- requires charges that cost money. No, it doesn't require charges. It t- uh, takes directly out of a cur- out of a paid currency, a completely separate paid currency from the one that gets a trickle income that you could only get, ah. as far as I could tell, from. The crates. <laughs> well, there's not really much point of having a healing item then. Oh, but the, but they also have it uh, positioned right next to the fire button, so you know you're going to eventually hit that on accident. And there's also it's really weird how they have this set up where, okay, they have the big fire button, you know, essentially an alpha strike, and then they have all the separate weapons. Uh, as far as I could tell, you could have at most four weapons uh, on a mech. And different mechs have different uh, yeah, maximum loadouts and different types of weapons they can equip. There is no reload mechanic. All the weapons have, uh, or at least all the ones I was able to play with, have essentially a clip system. That The only way that they would reload is if you completely empty them. So there were several times that I was uh, out of battle and I was just trying to empty a clip out of a weapon that was... You know, I would say a third ammo left because, you know, there was no reason not to do it. And, you know, it, the uh, the weapon, uh, individual uh, uh, weapon buttons are so much smaller than uh, the off the fire button that it was actually very difficult for me to be able to hit the individual weapons outside of, you know, just trying to empty a weapon. And also there were several times that it would 
pick up that I was trying to press the weapon fire button when I was just trying to swipe the screen to uh, turn around because someone was trying to flank me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it felt like there was a uh, uh, the fire button was a lot larger than it was showing on my screen. And also because I have a newer phone that has a curved uh, uh, bevel on it. Uh, the way that they uh, get around trying to have uh, a complete lack of minimap is uh, you know, the traditional you know, little tiny triangles around the edge of the screen. Well, because my phone is in a case and it has a curved screen on it, it was very difficult, if not impossible, to see those arrows half the time. So, you know, it felt like I was uh, flying a bit blind. And on top of that, uh, the lock-on mechanic on this game is just, at times, just brain-dead. And that is also something that is on the PC version, is the way that they have the lock-on. Where, essentially, you're, uh, you point the camera at an enemy, and it does, like, a soft lock. And then you kind of home in on it. And missile attacks have a uh, timer that essentially counts down to get a hard lock to be able to fire it. Uh, Adam, uh, and assuming that you have an indirect fire missile, because some of them are indirect, some of them are direct, of course, right? Well, yeah. there were several times that the match would just start, and I would just get hammered with missiles that I couldn't even see the enemy, because they got a lock on me from across the damn map. The map was too small, and the missiles had too long a range. And I had no line of sight. They got a lock on through the building. And that's a default behavior of the lock-on system. The only way to not have a lock-on like that is if you're running a stealth mech. And it doesn't turn you invisible as far as I can tell. It just it disables that auto-lock-on feature. And on top of that, if the enemy mechs, there are several of them like right uh, close to one another, but especially if they're at a distance, it will confuse the ever-living hell out of that auto-lock-on. There was a one or two times I nearly killed someone, and uh, the lock-on mechanic said, "Okay, well that guy's d- uh, dead enough. Let's go uh, pound on this guy for a bit." And you know, I would miss a kill, and you know, uh, some points for it because you know all my weapons would snap to this other target because it has a rather strong auto-aim mechanic on it because you know it's a mobile game. So yeah, um, not much of a fan of it. <laughs> I mean, graphically, it doesn't look bad. I mean, it's not amazing, but, you know, once again, mobile game. But I have to say that yeah. the PC version looks pretty much the same, which is, you know, pretty much inexcus- inexcusable. But, yeah. I, I, I take it I put a lot more time into this than you did, though. I think so, yeah. And there's also some pretty, uh, pretty hard pay-to-win uh, mechs that, also are available out of the crates, of course. Like, there's one called the Phalanx that I'm pretty sure that is only available for the paid currency, which you could eventually grind out for because, you know, the winning team does get, uh, you know, that pittance. But uh, using the special ability on it, it uh, essentially drops uh, its shield in front of it. It slows it, but, you know, it's taking a hell of a lot less damage in the process. You have to try to flank it, and if you're you know, getting pounded from a distance, you're not going to flank them. Uh, a couple of the mechs have jump jets uh, built into them that feels more like a hindrance than anything else because 
there was more than once I just saw someone just, you know, get stuck when they tried to use the jump jets, and I was just able to pick them off because the auto-aim is so damn strong. It's one of those games that there's a lot of interesting ideas, but it's just killed by the fact that, you know, it's not only a bubble game, but a greedy one at that. Which is, yeah, rather sad, actually, because it actually, except for when the auto-aim just, you know, uh, went completely to shit, it actually handled somewhat well because it's a mech game. You know, it's not trying to be mecha where, you know, everything is, you know, moving at the se- uh, at the speed of sound. But because everything yeah. is so slow and stompy, it actually handled fairly good except for, you know, little things like aiming. Also, there was a couple times that I got stuck on, like, an invisible wall because the uh, it feels like the hitboxes for the mechs are essentially just uh, big cubes around it instead of, you know, the actual geometry of the mech itself. Or it may just be, you know, the environment has a little bit of wonkiness to it. But yeah, it made me sad that, you know, it was so terrible. I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, they just... Oh, oh, one other thing that highly pissed me off, all right? Everything else angered me. What really pissed me off was every single time that you level... They offer you, hey, you have this new uh, limited time deal. Uh, buy this mech for a dollar. I bet you I saw $50 worth of mechs in two hours in uh, time limited offers. I mean, that's just so manipulative, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, every but single But they make a lot time. of money that way, though. Oh, yeah. I bet you uh, this is uh, big with the kids that love their robots because... The, just the way some of them uh, acted. Also, there's no way to try to coordinate. I mean, I understand that, you know, you definitely don't want voice chat on this. But there's no, like, ping mechanic or anything. There's, you know, nothing to coordinate. So, you know, it's just, you know, uh, you know trying to herd cats. You know, and because the main uh, game mode is a team... Uh, well, actually, the two that unlocked, because... There's the domination, which, like I said, is team deathmatch with points. But then there's a flat-out team deathmatch mode. Uh, that's the two unlocked. Both of them team-focused. So, yeah, it, it feels odd that there's no way to try to coordinate while having a team-focused game. I mean, maybe it unlocks later, because I only got to, like, level 10. Which, actually, is pretty quick. The first few levels, you know, each battle is pretty much, Oh, you leveled up here, have a new uh, new deal. And that's the other thing, is just because they offered you so many mechs in such quick succession, it, uh, because there's such a time investment with each mech, it feels sort of like a sucker's bet to even buy a mech. Because like I said, the heavy mech, the first level up that I had option to get, which was the, you know, the non-premium currency, I might add, was a day. And I can only imagine that the next one was probably like a day and a half. So there's a huge time investment that makes you really want to hold on to these mechs. But then they offer, you know, start trying to hammer home. Oh, you need to buy this mech. You need to buy this one. It's just such a a weird uh, conflict of game mechanic and, you know, business model. But hey, right? Yeah. But yeah, this is like a, 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 you know, a whale gamer's dream (laughs) yeah I don't think I have anything to add you know just like 
like I said, I played it once for a little while a couple of years ago, and I didn't play it for very long. Yeah, so. well, I, I realized I didn't really have anything to play, and you know, usually hitting a mobile game is pretty damn quick. Yeah, uh, you know, you uh, get a good idea for it, but uh, from the sounds of it, uh, based on the Steam reviews, it seems like the Steam game uh, is pretty much just a direct copy. And there's a lot of talk about you know, extremely long uh, tech upgrade timers. So, yeah, it sounds like it's pretty much, you know, if you're getting the free-to-play version on Steam, you're going to have the same issues. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, you want to talk about another free game that does have an engaged cooperative play? Uh, and is actually fairly good, as long as you're not Ghost Shark. <laughs> yeah. So this week for uh, game night, we played Alien Swarm, which is an up to four person top down cooperative shooter that's free to play uh, on Steam. Takes about well, it took us about two hours to play through the entire campaign. Uh, it was me and you and Jim and Ghost Shark was around and he tried to play, but for some reason he couldn't connect. And you know we tried all the basics: turn it off, turn it back on again. Yeah, make a new server. Yeah, he got frustrated with it very quickly and decided not to even bother. So, but you and and I and Jim all played through. We got through the whole campaign that night. Uh, this game is a lot of fun. I don't, I don't have anything against like top down twin stick shooters. They've never been like my jam particular cup of tea. Yeah, never been my jam. Um. But, you know, if one's good, I enjoy it. And definitely the cooperative aspect or the cooperative nature of this game makes it a lot easier for me to get into. Um, overall, I had a good time with it. It's very clearly, uh, oh. I don't know if it's, well, yeah, but I was going to say a ripoff of Aliens 2. Or not I, I Aliens would go 2. with more of a homage, you know? Uh, yeah. It doesn't feel like quite a ripoff. Yeah, ripoff might be too strong, but there's definitely tons of very noticeable Themes. influence and uh, it, in some extenses, like outright copies of stuff that is in um, Alien 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I played this, uh, you know, back in like 2010, so I knew... Fairly decently what I was doing. To be fair, you know, it has been nine years, so you know, uh, it was rusty for me. But uh, outside of getting killed by teammates, you know, I did fairly well. <laughs> but I also played a lot yeah. more serverably. We, I mean, we each killed each other a couple of times. Jim played sort of heavy weapons guy. He had a minigun the whole time. Yeah, which you, if you were our medic. Yeah, which if you got in his line of fire, you were pretty much instantly dead. <laughs> You were our medic, and then you would kind of swap around some other stuff based on what the mission needed, um, or what you thought might be more appropriate for the mission, I guess. And then I was our tech guy, so I did all the hacking, and then most of the time I carried a, an auto turret to drop down for, like, defensive situations. Yeah, see, I had a and I swapped weapons. I swapped weapons back and forth a few times, but ultimately I just settled on the one that was specific to the the tech guy's. Which is like an upgraded version of the standard assault rifle. Yeah, I stuck with uh, uh, most of the time an assault rifle in the uh, in the healing gun, which yeah, as you may imagine, heals teammates. 
but also I had a yippers. But I had a Tesla coil that I could drop down uh, that would uh, shock enemies that gets nearby that, and stun them, uh, and also, you know, of course, deal damage because you have Tesla, right? Uh, but uh, occasionally I would uh, swap to a flamethrower, but you know, uh, AOE weapons and weapons that deal extremely high damage uh, uh, very quickly are a double-edged sword in this game. Great for killing them aliens, but also great for killing your teammates. Yeah, because teammate, uh, friendly fire is a fr- is a thing in this one. Yeah, friendly fire isn't. And you can't turn it off. There's sort of, I think they call it normal and, it, and hardcore friendly fire, something like it, but it's like, in normal, you just take a little damage. Um, well, uh, in then, normal, you take a little bit at first, then it quickly ramps up to full. Yeah, so if you uh, but, are yeah, being the continually the, shot. Yeah, and that's uh, the problem with the minigun is that, you know, that uh, you know, uh, warning shot is the first bullet. The second one's right behind it. Yeah. We, um... I mean, I'm not I, I'm not picking on Jim uh, uh, directly because, you know, it, it is a problem with all automatic weapons in this game. And it was a lot of times, too, especially in the beginning, it was my fault for, like, getting in someone's line of fire. I mean, mistakes do happen, but you can see a laser sight uh, where everyone is aiming, and it takes a little bit getting used to, just sort of watching for it as you're moving around. But after the first couple of levels, I think we got pretty good at that for the most part, at paying better attention to each other's position, watching that laser sight to see where who was aiming, and then um, picking up on the various cues for which character was which. Because there are some differences. Like, everyone's wearing, like, body armor, but there's a few differences. I think each character is a different color. And then your equipment determines what your character looks like to some extent. Everybody's got different weapons. And then, like, as the tech guy, I had, like, some extra, like, doodads on my suit that didn't really do anything other than help to distinguish my character visually from the others. Hey, this is the so, tech guy. He has tech. And yeah. He's a guy. The, the most useful thing that the tech guy had is the, aside from being the only one who can hack, is the welder. Um, or, no, that, does everybody have uh, access to the welder? Everyone has access to that. You just okay, taking. never mind. Uh, because uh, uh, there's uh, the healing beacon, which is uh, uh, medic only. Uh, essentially, there's a prime or two weapon slots. It's not really primary and secondary uh, per se. And then there's a utility slot that, uh, for me, I was taking Tesla coils in, uh, and that's why I couldn't pick mine back up. And you you can pick up your turret again. Was that technically yours was a weapon and mine wasn't? Yeah, but once the turret ran out of ammo, you couldn't actually reload it unless you found the special ammo crates that were for auto guns. Because I tried to reload it using Jim, because Jim most of the time, because he was using the minigun, took the ammo crate as like his, his special item that you could drop down and everybody can pick up ammo from. But unless there's a special rule that applies to the, the turret, I couldn't pick up ammo for the turret from the crate. Although the minigun, Jim had to be completely out of ammo before he could take ammo for the minigun and it would destroy the entire ammo box to give him his money back mm-hmm. as opposed to with the yeah it, i don't know regular weapons yeah, it, it ran our clip system where uh different weapons had different amount of clips the assault rifle for me for example had five clips plus one in the gun itself but also if you reloaded yeah. early you lost all the ammo in that clip so it was a semi-realistic uh, system and then there's a reload system, which I guess was popular around the time, like an active reload system, where that you can hit it like in the sweet spot for a little boost. But if you miss, you're screwed. You, 
Yeah, if you miss your gun jams and it takes you an extra few seconds to reload. Essentially, I mostly just before. ignored it. Yeah, I ignored it as well unless I knew the reload was coming. Because, yeah. you know, in the middle of a big firefight, by the time you notice you're auto-reloading, you know, you already missed it. Yeah. I would assume that was probably pretty heavily inspired by Gears of War. Uh, most likely. Which... In Gears of War, I got that system pretty down pat, but the Gears of War system had like a little bit of a, um, there was like the perfect sweet spot where you got a fast reload with a damage boost for whatever weapons you re, or not weapons, whatever, uh, bullets you actually reloaded into the new magazine. And then there was just a, um, a larger area that you could reload faster if you got it during that spot. And I didn't play with the reload enough to notice what happened. Because I, I didn't like to reload unless I was down to maybe like one or two bullets. Because I didn't want to waste all the ammunition. Yeah, same and here. ammo was at a premium until near the end. Um, we ran out of ammo several times on those first few missions until we got better at conserving. Yeah. Um, For like characters and stuff, there's four different character classes with two characters for each class. That each have their own bonuses to things. Um, you know, there's, there's specific weapons and items that can only be used by certain classes. So lots of stuff can be used by everybody, but you know, the, the tech guy had a special upgraded version of the assault rifle that had larger magazines and then could fire stun grenades as a secondary fire. Um, the medic had the healing gun. I'm not sure what Jim had. He was the heavy weapons guy. Could he, was there like a, a mini gun? Uh, like, yeah, was the, he the only one that could yeah, use the, the mini gun? Yeah, he had the mini gun, which I'm not sure if okay. was, uh, specific to them or not and and there's some other stuff as well and then you get bonuses like in the stats like you know extra health or extra damage with a certain gun or type of gun that sort of thing um and aside from having different flavor from a story perspective because i you know between the two tech guys like i played vegas who's described as being like a young guy who likes to take chances and things like that and then i don't remember what the other guy's name was called I want to say Dutch, but that's wrong. I know that's wrong, but I want to say Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, you're thinking of... Uh, I'll shoot, now I'm uh, blanking on the anime now. Black Lagoon. Yeah. But, and um, I realize you've never seen the anime. Uh, the anime. Oh, you have. I've seen some of it. I've not seen all of it. Jim, I think. You or Jim 1 suggested it to uh, me I think both. a while back. And I watched a few episodes, and I've never gone back to it. Blasphemy! Um, but... It, but anyways, I mean, it's good. It's just one of those things that's kind of fallen off of my mm-hmm. radar, you know. But anyways, you know, depending on which character you take, you get sort of the, the story flavor for the character plus whatever their bonuses are. Um, and there's not really, aside from a tech guy, because there are certain missions where you have to hack. Aside from a tech guy, there's not really anything that requires you... To do something special. I guess there's the one mission where you have to have a flamethrower. Yeah, but that's, uh, you know, any uh, class could take it. Yeah, so... Well, and also, aside- uh, well, technically, uh, the flamethrower is also very useful on any mission that has a lot of fire because the secondary fire on it is an extinguisher. Yeah, but there were extinguishers lying around if we ever needed that. Yeah, true, but... As well. Yeah, but juggling weapons can be a bit of a pain. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just thinking, I don't, I like the, you know, even though it's an older game, I like the aesthetic, you know, it's, 
I mean, obviously it's a it's a sci-fi game, but I just liked it since it's a little bit older. It feels a little bit more blocky, yeah, uh, which is kind of fun for a sci-fi game. Yeah, uh, something that's uh, really neat in it is the bullet time effects whenever certain things happen. Yeah, uh, uh, the game slows down, and there's a picture-in-picture of uh, you know a dramatic event. Uh, I think the big one, the first one, is uh, the elevator. Yeah, definitely the elevator. There's a big service elevator you take uh, downstairs or upstairs or whatever. Yeah, you're going down and... deep into this colony, uh, uh, and you can see off of the distance as it slopes down uh, deeper into the planet, and then you notice aliens are on the ceiling, and they're coming towards you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's a couple other times that pops up. Usually, uh, uh, because this is a Source game, and it's also an older one, they make, uh, they highlight some of the more physics-based, not really puzzles, but elements of it. Uh, there's a couple times that you blow up a, uh, an explosive barrel, and it kind of does this Rube Goldberg-esque, uh, you know, opening up a, a, the level. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, blow up the barrel and uh, a pipe starts to roll and it knocks over a couple of things and makes a bridge for you. Yeah, which happened a couple of times. If I, I remember the first time that happened, I had to kill myself because I was out of ammo and I was the only one left alive. Gen- there's a, there was like a pit that was full of, I don't know, acid or toxic gas or something. And uh, Jim fell in by accident and died. I was like, well, I know what I need to do. I know I need to blow up these barrels. I don't have any ammo. I tried punching them. This is probably, I was like, this probably won't work, but it'd be funny if it blew up and killed me, but didn't do anything. I couldn't find any ammo, so I just had to jump in the pit and die and restart the level. Yeah, but, it, yeah it is technically a Valve game. I mean, uh, it's listed as developed by Valve. It was originally a third-party game, but they brought the team in-house as they were developing it and uh, decided to release the game for free. Uh, overall, it's yeah, it's done uh, really well, and it's a really good free game. And there's no microtransactions. There's no bullshit. There is a leveling system in it, but there's no way to skip it. And even at the end of the campaign, you were you were what level ten, level twelve? Uh, yeah, I was in double digits. Yeah, the the max level is twenty seven for some reason. Uh. It's- just an arbitrary number. Well, I think that's pretty much just the number of weapons that they had or the number of weapon ideas. Because pretty much every level you're unlocking you know, either a weapon or some sort of support item. And there's a lot of variance in it that allows for different styles of gameplay. There's night vision goggles that you get equipped to, you know, for some of the darker areas, which wasn't really a problem. But, yeah, it, you know, if you wanted it, you had it. Uh different passive upgrades, uh, damage uh, uh, reduction, that sort of thing. Uh, d- uh, different active armors, grenades, uh, Tesla coils. So there's a lot of variants and a lot of uh, things that you could try out to you know, find what you like. And also you could up the difficulty because things get uh, real, real quick, even on the normal difficulty. <laughs> Yeah, after we beat the first mission, it was like, you did so good. Would you like to upgrade the difficulty to hard? And we were like, <clears throat> no. And I we made the right decision. Facehuggers are the worst. Yeah. Uh, Facehuggers what got us, I think, the most. Yeah, the first time we encountered if one, it, they jumped, it jumped right through the do- uh, the crack of the door and onto my face. And the only way to get rid of a facehugger is to uh, heal through it. 
and it damaged me too much to be able to do that. I am able to heal myself through it. It's just I was too low of damage. And I think I might have gotten shot because people were trying to kill the facehugger. Yeah, I punched a facehugger off of someone at one point. I got an achievement for it. So it looks like you can do that, but it was pretty hard because I've punched many times before I got him. Uh, See, I didn't know that, but uh, usually whenever I'm playing this, I'm playing the healer. But you were an excellent healer, sir. Well, when I wasn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think goes for all of us though. We all died on more than one occasion. Yeah, Jim, he died at the very end. We left him to die. Yeah, I have to say, I really do like the uh, last mission, but we almost screwed ourselves on it. When I had welded every door shut behind us. Yes. Because I was like, ah, they can't follow us. If I weld all the doors shut, then we needed to escape through all the doors that were welded shut. Thankfully, the aliens opened them. Yeah, they did bash down Most of them. several doors. I think I only had to reopen one of them. Yeah, well, to be fair, you know, it was nearly uh, destroyed anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think we covered just about everything. Are we missing something? Uh, no, that I think is about it. I will say that I think it's worth a play, uh, and there are a few modded uh, campaigns to be able to go through. Uh, it is an older game now. It was released, I think, in 2008, 2009. I know I, the last time I played it was 2010, if that gives you any idea. So, yeah, it's a bit old-fashioned on uh, its game design. Which, damn, that makes me fa- uh, sound uh, or feel old saying, you know, a game released uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in, way back in 2009 is a bit old-fashioned design. Fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, 10 years ago. So, old-fashioned. Uh, but it is a, a source game, so as long as you're not Ghost Shark, it should run on just about anything. <laughs> Sorry, Ghost. Sorry. I I don't know what was causing his issue. He just said that Me either. He just said that wouldn't start but wouldn't say what it was doing. At least as far as I could tell. So you know, just a little playful uh, uh picking. So I think that's Good. it for Alien Swarm, so your game. Indeed. So the only other game that I played this week that I have something new to talk about is Lego Marvel Super Heroes, which I have talked about previously within the last couple of months but um few things currently i'm extremely pissed off at this game i'll get to that in a minute i was enjoying it so you know it it takes a lot longer to get through things when you're playing cooperatively with a five-year-old than if you're playing through and by yourself so probably if you're sitting down to play this with like your 10 year old or if you yourself as an adult want to enjoy this game Within two to three hours, you're going to get to where the game opens up to a big open world scenario. A big thing with DC, or not DC, with New York City and, you know, Grand Theft Auto, but with actual, you know, but with superheroes. Like, you can steal cars and drive around and blow stuff up and collect the little Yeah, but why would Spider-Man have to steal a car? Uh, So, I was playing as the Hulk slash Bruce Banner. 
and you can shrink down to Bruce Banner and then steal a car and drive around faster than you can run around as the Hulk. That seems wrong somehow. <laughs> but, you know, it took me maybe 10 hours to get there with my kid because, you know, God bless his little heart. He tries so hard, but he's five and he's still learning the ways of video games and his way around a controller and things. So, um, and some of the the puzzles and stuff that they stick into these Lego games are actually a little bit difficult to figure out the first time. Like once you get it, it's like, okay, this is a very simple puzzle that's fairly repetitive. I know what to do. But sometimes that initial like, huh, how do I solve this problem can take a while, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a, uh, a go. But um, anyways, you know, when it opens up in an open world, it kind of becomes a, a completely different game. And whenever you go to do missions, they do become the linear type of missions that you've been experiencing so far on the playthrough. But just being able to wander around New York City and teleport up to the helicarrier and, like, skydive. Skydiving is always fun. Um, and I think there's other areas you can go to that I don't have unlocked yet. But it's just very fun to, like, what do I want to do? Would I like to swing around the city as Spider-Man for a while? Why, yes. Yes, I would. Or, you know, do I want to summon, you know, some iconic vehicles and things that villains have had from the series and drive around in those and blow stuff up? Like, why, yes. Yes, I would. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's very simple. There's not like a bajillion things on the map like you see in... Uh, any Ubisoft game ever. Uh, any Ubisoft game, <laughs> yeah. Or a Rockstar game. Like, there's nothing like that. Yeah, a Ubisoft game is so, more icon than map. Yeah. So you can just enjoy it. You enjoy roaming around and messing with all the different things and finding Easter eggs and stuff like that. I mean, we had a blast just like flying around the city for like two hours the other day so it's a lot of fun now let's talk about the part where it makes me really mad (laughs) so this is now the second time this has happened the first time it happened i thought that maybe my kid had messed something up but this game deletes save data or loses it or corrupts it or something and this is a known problem for the game that has essentially been abandoned um it seems to affect more ps4 players than it does xbox players but it does still affect xbox players and just for some reason your save data will disappear you know you quit the game it auto saves you're all happy with your progress you come back the next day or in a couple of days ready like my kids like daddy i'm ready let's you know go finish whatever we were doing it's like okay son load the game up and it plays the intro cutscene instead of just like going straight to the main menu. And I'm like, oh no. That when this happened last time, I lost all my progress and we had to start over. And that's where it was at. We'd lost all of our progress and we had to start over. And I was like, you know what, son? We're not playing this tonight. Daddy's too mad at it. I'm really frustrated. Our save game is gone. We can't start back where we were. We had just gotten Wolverine. And my kid liked Wolverine and fighting people with the big claws. And there were a couple of suggestions for quick fixes online, which I tried, and it didn't help at all. I'm going to see if I can find some way to recover the data, if it's on there somewhere. But I suspect it's gone. Probably wafted away forever and replaced on the cloud. And uh, just like a quick perusal has not revealed any easy way to find specific files and things that are stored on the the console like you can basically see like yeah where it generally, is generally 
where it is and like save files or whatever, but you can't manage those folders from within the the console. So okay, uh, you know, like, random idea. Sure. Uh, tell Dropbox to constantly uh, uh, keep uh, that uh, folder updated so you could revert it. Yeah, that's a good idea. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I still stand by what I said a few weeks ago. Like, it's a very fun game. It's great to play with kids um, of just about any age, especially if they like superheroes and stuff like that. Otherwise, I think it's a good introduction for kids. Um, my son has, you know, even before we started playing this, started liking superheroes, but after playing just what he calls Lego superheroes, he has gotten much more interested in superheroes and supervillains and stuff. So I'm trying to, to nurture that. And this game goes a pretty good way to doing that, except for the fact that it keeps losing our save data. This is the second time this has happened and I got really mad at it. Perhaps irrationally mad. No, I would say rationally mad at this point. There was there was nearly swearing, much swearing in front of my own child. Try to refrain from that. You know, ultimately at the end of the day, they're just words. But I don't want my five-year-old going to school and being like, "My daddy says fuck you." <laughs> it's like I don't I don't want that to happen. So I refrain from swearing in front of him as much as possible. But anyways, yeah, that's it for the games that I played this week. Um, so if you don't have anything else to add, I think we can go ahead and move it on along to our first news topic. Or I guess if you don't need a break as well, uh, you can I take a break, a break too if you need one. Okay. Just do a cough drop. Take a... Which thankfully I have some right. right here. Just took a sip of a beverage. Uh, our first news story of the week, Sonic movie director Jeff Fowler vows to fix the character's design. <laughs> So universally, the Sonic trailer was hated. Um, aside from I would a say few mocked. very, yeah, mocked. Mostly, everybody hates the character design of Sonic. I don't fixing Sonic's character design does not fix that movie, but at least then it doesn't look quite so much like hot, scary garbage. So a huge amount of criticism that's been thrown at that game is how bad Sonic looks, and the studio. Or the director, rather, and I guess it, this is a decision that would probably require studio backing, but I can't say that for sure, has said, you know what? We hear you guys loud and clear. We're going to change Sonic's design. Like, boom. And people have been like, yay! And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> Indeed. But I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory about this, and it's a pretty common theory. Like, I'm not the only person that I've seen, like, posit about this on the internet. But I think that they made this design for whatever. Someone in a boardroom who had no idea what Sonic was and what the kids these days are into was just like, yeah, that'll work. He's like a a hedgehog that looks kind of like a man. And so they went ahead and made him that way. Um, But anyway, so that they were they were at that point, like someone designed it and thought like, yeah, this is great. And then. They did all their focus testing. And, because, of course, you know, there's focus of the, testing. Yeah, and most of the people that showed up were like, yeah, this looks like really creepy and weird. But then they didn't do anything about it until, you know, the last minute. And then it's like, oh, shit. We know everybody hates this. We've got these trailers. We're on a deadline. 
We got to get it working. Let's go ahead and start working on it. Put the trailer out. And if by some miracle people are okay with it, then we don't have to worry about it. But when they probably are going to hate it based on all of our testing, then we can just say, oh, no, we hear you. We're working on a new Sonic, and we'll have already been working on it for a while. Like, that's what, what I'm See, I'm, what I'm, I'm not viewing malice in this. I'm just viewing uh, mass incompetence. You know, uh, the suits that were in charge of this movie at Paramount, they think they're, they know better. So... Yeah, they think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why do? Why does he have only one eye? Why is he a cyclops? Right. Yeah. Uh, one eye with two pupils. Yeah, and it, well, there's a uh, article also in the show notes that uh, the director for uh, uh, Detective Pikachu is saying that he has no idea how they're going to redo it in six months uh, for the opening of this piece of trash. Because, of course, it has, uh, yeah, just before a Christmas opening, because, yeah, it's a kid's movie. Right. Uh, because, yeah, what kid doesn't need to scream themselves a wake nightmare, right? So. Should be a Halloween release. <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things that I think it's just that they just didn't work with a Sega. And it was a suit that, you know, just thought that they knew better. Because the article that I have in the show notes talks about how the director for De- Detective Pikachu talked about how they worked on uh, the just the character design for two years and studied animals and uh, their movements to be able to make the Pokemon move more realistically because it's a sort of a bridge between a realistic version of Pokemon while still respecting the overall character design. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that for... And it feels Detective weird Pikachu, because, I, you know, at first I thought, you know, it, it looked, you know, really weird. <laughs> and yes, there are some designs that do not translate well. But Yeah, well, but I mean, damn. there are plenty of Pokemon, though, that do look weird and unsettling. And then you make them more realistic and that sort of grows with it. Yeah, true. It, it goes from the edge uh, to right down to the Uncanny Valley. Yeah, but again, you know, the difference between that, even some of the weirder Pokemon, are like, you can tell that they were trying to do, you know, get it as close to the original art as possible. Well, also the, Whereas this just, like, threw it all well, out the well, window. No, no, the real difference is intention. Those uh, Pokemon are meant to look a little creepy, a little weird. Sonic isn't supposed to look like that. <laughs> No, Sonic's supposed to be like happy and carefree and he loves chili dogs or something like a chill dude. I, I think he's just gas powered. He, he doesn't run fast. He just has a lot of gas. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, a lot he, of internal combustion. Yeah, he's not the uh, he's not the blue streak. He's the brown streak. Put him. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's you know going back for a second. That's my conspiracy theory about this is that they already new and were already working on the fix and they went ahead and released it as is so that they could capitalize on the positive PR of saying no no we're going to change it to reflect more of the original artistic vision or however it was that they put it yeah I guess I just prescribed to the idea of don't attribute to malice what uh, can be explained by incompetence yeah I mean you know you're not as big into the film industry and film as i am but the film industry is the king of this shit like 
the only thing really that the gaming industry has got over on the film industry is that the game industry somehow figured out this repetitive or repeat monetization thing with microtransactions and stuff like that. As soon as film figures out or the film industry figures out how to do that, it will happen. Well, the film industry at one point tried to do disposable DVDs for rentals. Yeah. Did you, do you watch, uh, technology connections as well? Uh, I saw it on my feed, but I remembered it from back in the day. I never had one, but I knew they existed beforehand. Okay. I saw his YouTube video from last week or maybe two weeks ago on the disposable DVD that but just in case you're wondering, viewer, like, how the hell does that work? It was essentially hermetically sealed inside of like, you know, some vacuum sealed plastic or whatever. And it had um, a chemical that, compound that when it on the disc itself. Yeah, it, it obscures the the disc so the laser can't read it. Yeah, and for some reason, uh, well, uh, not for some reason, but whenever I hear the uh, term hermetically sealed, I'm thinking uh, 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 Late Night with Johnny Carson. <laughs> I know who Johnny Carson is, but I've never seen Late Night with Johnny Carson before my time. Uh, well, one of the things was he would do a fake uh, fortune teller. Yeah. And all the uh, questions that he would uh, answer that was sealed in an envelope were hermetically sealed in a mayonnaise jar on such and such uh, front porch for the last three days or something, you know? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, that's one of those bits that you need to go back and watch, I think, because I think you enjoy it, <laughs> even though it's uh, yeah, it's uh, absolutely ancient and actually older than you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely older than me. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll check that out at some point. I'll throw it on the pile on the list. <laughs> Thanks to subject you to. Uh, it. I, well, I still have the Hitler yeah. movie that you need to watch. Yep, I'm planning on watching that Friday. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you have anything else to add to this topic, or are you ready to move on to the next uh, news topic? I'm just. Uh, I'm. I'll be surprised if the, if they actually pull this off in six months and have it actually look decent because even though you know, this is you know, rather trash looking uh, CGI to begin with, it still takes time to do. And if they do a, a full redesign and changes proportions, uh, either they're going to have to like have Sonic on like a soapbox out of out of <laughs> uh, out of frame. Or, you know, all the actors are going to be looking in the wrong position. Because that's the other thing, is that a lot of the art that people did for reimagining the character design, they changed the proportions because he had these freakishly long legs. I mean, even more so than the new Sonic designs uh, from uh, Sega. To the point that he looked like he got stretched. You just beef him up a little bit. You know, make Sonic a big beefy boy. Although that would be its own version of weird. I'd say, I bet you could do a lot more in post than you realize. To adjust, like, oh, line of sight also de- and shot tracking and things yeah, like that. it also depends on just, you know, how they shot it. If, you know, how much cropping of the f- uh, actual film uh, uh, is done in post. Because, yeah, you know, maybe they could. Uh, but, you know, it's... There's a lot of nuance, but I, I think... Wouldn't go into this type of movie. Let's be perfectly honest to begin with. No, I suspect if there's issues, what they'll do is they'll hide it with cuts 
and use digital inserts of things or maybe cutaways so that you don't see as much of Sonic interacting with the other people on screen. It's just more of him doing stuff that we're watching. And more so gangsters your brain paradise. never thinks about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Jim your brain St- never thinks about how small Sonic is. Yeah, uh, uh, Jim Sterling is, uh, uh, went on and on about gangsters paradise. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, you know, aside from what he said and other people have said, is like everybody's trying to do the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Suicide Squad thing. Like, just get like Guardians of the Galaxy was a good movie though, and Suicide Squad sucked ass. But just like, just get a soundtrack or some memorable songs, and it's like you're golden. Uh, I guess like, they can. I guess they can license Queen for this piece of shit. The songs have to make sense too. Like, can't stop me now. Yeah, Don't Stop Me Now would have been a good one. Don't stop me now, because I'm having such a good time. That would have kind of fit with Sonic's attitude a little bit. Yeah. More than Gangster's Paradise, at least. But like I said last week, I think Amish Paradise would have <laughs> more about his attitude. There, you know, There's a bunch of movies about driving cars fast that would fit well with Sonic's Gotta Go Fast. But instead, they picked Gangster's Paradise. I guess focus testing told them that that was in right now with the kids these days. No, no, I think uh, I think I know why. I think it was cheap. That would, yeah, cheap, but also catchy. Cheap, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, somewhat memorable. Yeah. Plus, it would uh, really resonate with the parents, right? <laughs> yeah, that's from their generation. I feel sorry for any parent that's uh, drugged to this uh, movie, let alone uh, more than once. Yeah, thankfully my kid doesn't even know who Sonic is, despite the fact that he has seen him and played him in several video games. And he'll never know now, because Sonic is dead. Yeah. Sonic's kind of sort of been dead for a while now. They keep bringing him back, though, and trying to give him new life. I don't think this one's going to (laughs) succeed. It makes me wonder, are they going to do a tie-in video game with this piece of shit? Oh, God. Please, no. But it wouldn't surprise me if they did. A tie-in... No, 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 no. A tie-in mobile game that has a gotcha mechanic and all the Jim Carrey you could ever stand. You know, Sonic would be, like, rife for a gotcha mechanic because there's a lot of Sonic characters... And a lot of variations on each of those characters. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay. Here we go. A ripoff of Pokemon Go. <laughs> Sonic gotta go fast. Yeah, and you have to go around and save all the animals. Sonic gotta go fast to the poles. I <laughs> ah, see what I did there. Deep cuts. Deep cuts on tonight's show. Oh, yeah, you're cutting as usual. Indeed. Yeah, like a doll razor. Yeah, that feels about right. Um, So, speaking of uh, cutting edge through the space age, or do you have more to say? <laughs> no, I'm good. Let's go to the space age. So, Kerbal Space Program's uh, second expansion allows you to do science on the final frontier. Hey, a new uh, Kerbal DLC is coming out. And in memory of Biff, we had to talk about it. <laughs> We actually don't know if yeah. it's dead, but it feels right. Wait, that sounds wrong. This somehow. one seems. This one seems pretty cool. I mean, it's 
I don't know specifically if they're incorporating mods or if they just are working with the mod makers or maybe just saw these mods and were like, hey, we want to put this in the game. But it's uh, doing things like building bases on planets. Well, I think you have this moons. a little bit odd, uh, off. This is the, uh, uh, well, this is Infernal Robotics. So robotic yeah. parts, uh, movable robotic parts, I might add. Uh, the uh, surface uh, uh, science experiments, as well as more science experiments in general. So D-Magic plus uh, surface experiments. Yeah. So it's not really base building yet. Well, they were, but didn't, it said in the article, though, that, like, you would have to create, did I misread it? I thought it said create, like, habitats or something and power them in order to run experiments. Well, that's more what the game already has with the science uh, lab. Because uh, how uh, Kerbal runs with the uh, with the, uh, the stock science lab is you're able to grab data and essentially process it on site for more science. So yeah, so it's more the stock uh, space station. Only there's more options for data. It's, that's what I'm reading it as. So, so, so I'm reading it as something new. Just the way it's, it's well, the new part written. from uh, from what I saw on the press release, not the article, is that it's. The surface science pack. Oh, okay. I didn't look at the... I just looked at the article, not the press release. Yeah, take a look at the announcement and you'll see robotic parts. They're, they are adding surface features, which is something that Kerbal desperately needed something to, exp- uh, to actually look at. Uh, yeah, and go explore. Plus, they're interactable to some degree. Deployed science, which that's the basis that they're talking about. Uh, bringing uh, equipment for experiments, and they're also incorporating the Kerbal inventory system, so Kerbals can actually pick up stuff and carry it around. Uh, yeah. Size mon- uh, monitors, uh, weather stations, and there's plenty more experiments for you to try out, and plus a new spacesuit. I have to admit, don't let, really care for the uh, new look of the spacesuit. It looks... Boy, this is going to sound a little odd, but let's go with it. It looks a little too space-age, because I like the more... Mercury Apollo style spacesuits that they have in the base game. Yeah, I didn't even think about the design. I just was like, okay, cool, new spacesuit. Yeah, but that I that's don't, little, I don't that looks typically care for that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but uh, the main takeaway from this, um, uh, uh, outside of just you know having base support for these mods in the game for them to expand upon them, because that's what. Uh, the real you know, bonus for bringing mods in-house is, is having them hooked directly into the game. It's that, especially Inferno Robotics, was notorious for summoning the Kraken and just doing some weird, weird things. Some of my first uh, things I did in Kerbal was I had uh, Inferno Robotics, and there were times that the spacecraft would just start dancing <laughs> because it would in- introduce a wobble. And the, to be fair, that would happen sometimes without Infernal Robotics. Yeah, but... Th- but. Yeah, but uh, well, installing Infernal Robotics is basically giving the, a crack at a, a pair of uh, tap-dancing shoes, you know? <laughs> right. Makes sense. I didn't use Infernal Robotics all that much. I messed with it a little bit, but I never got super uh, into oh, it. I absolutely loved Infernal Robotics. It allowed you to do a lot of fun stuff, especially if you took the time to design a like a rover that folded up. I yeah. never had it quite right, but 
I was a good ways to a ro- uh, rover that essentially just folded in on itself into like a little cube. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. the uh, version of Inferno Robotics I had was uh, not exactly stable. So every time I would try to deploy it, the uh, there was a good chance of, you know, instead of uh, slowly deploying like it's supposed to, the crack would pick it up and throw it like a die. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah it, like I said, Inferno Robotics did some weird, weird things. It's just the way it introduced torque to the system. But the fact that the uh, uh, this is, uh, well, let me read this. Brand new uh, robotic parts add a whole new level of creativity to your craft. These parts will uh, include some new control mechanics and let you create all sorts of innovative vehicles and crazy contraptions to aid the Kerbals in exploring their universe. And it has essentially two, like, scorpion <laughs> rovers. Uh, as well as feet on them as well. So there's some sort of robotic foot uh, going on there. Or that No, that's actually the nose cone, isn't it? That, that's one thing about Kerbal that I always found amazing. It's just the creativity of uh, some of the designers. I was never that creative. I just installed uh, uh, procedural parts, but still, right? Yeah, I either did the same with procedurals or was always just like completely function over form. Uh, I was a little bit of both because I typically ran Ferrum Aerospace, so I had to be a little bit aerodynamic. Yeah. And that was even before you know, the stock aero, uh, uh, model was changed to be essentially a Ferrum Light, where it took a lot more uh, cues from your overall design and how aerodynamic it is. Because before, you know, it didn't really matter the shape of your uh, craft. It was more how many boosters you had on it. Right. I also usually ran Ferrum Aerospace, but... Yeah, because we hate ourselves, right? You could still do a lot of function over form with Ferrum, though, depending on, like, you could do, like, a biplane. Those were able to not bypass, but, you know, kind of cheat the system a little bit. Are using propellers actually because of the I think because of the way that they worked in Kerbal. Well, we're um, talking about allow you to... propellers or the Kraken uh, yeah. engines that they have now. Or have you seen those? No. Yeah, I've seen some of those. That's just insane. But no, I'm talking about modded propellers. The, the Kraken engines but... are just insane. What people are doing now, uh, essentially, like two craft that are held together by fairings, as far as I can tell. Ah, <laughs> uh, just. Uh, it's amazing the uh, ingenuity that's uh, going on with them, you know? Yeah. And I think we're coming up a bit short on this one uh, because it's more of just an announcement. That, is there a date on this? I didn't see one. Uh, I don't remember uh, seeing one. Uh, uh, oh, May 30th uh, for 15 bucks. Oh, well, there you go. So the end of the month. Uh, Well, not quite, but close enough. Well, I mean, right there. <laughs> One more day. That's the end of the month. You have to be per, uh, precise in uh, uh, space, right? Yes. Mostly. Otherwise, you just had the probe uh, crash in the ground because uh, you didn't convert to metric and you were still using Imperial. That's happened before. <laughs> I know exactly what you're referring yep. to. <laughs> um, Okie dokie. Let's uh, go ahead and scoot on over to our next news topic then and discuss Rainbow Six Siege, Reverse Friendly Fire. Their team killing fix is going live tomorrow. That is tomorrow from day of recording. So this was neat. 
Um, yeah, I hadn't I seen just anything it was like interesting. this. Yeah, and that's why I put it uh, on the docket was that it looked interesting, and I hadn't seen anything quite like it. There's sort of this element in World of Warships, and the fact fact of like if you do too much team killing, eventually you get flagged as a team killer, and then any damage you do to your allies is reflected back onto you. I believe tenfold. Oh, they changed that because uh, before, if you were flagged, it was just you know you're a fair game to your teammates. No, if you after you become flagged, once your icon goes pink, which is the friendly fire, like you've had too much friendly fire in World of Warships, you um, you take reflective damage. It, it might not be ten times, but you take more damage than you dish out to your teammates. Well, this system is that after you kill somebody, uh, or team kill, they have an option to say, okay, that was accidental, or that was on purpose. Or if they abstain from voting. If they abstain from voting or say it was on purpose... Uh, they get flagged as a team killer, and then any damage that they do is reflected upon them. And uh, instead of de- uh, dealing damage at all to their teammate, as far as I could tell, which is an interesting solution to their problem, because team killing has been a bit of a griefing problem for Rainbow Six Siege, uh, essentially from when it uh, went live, from what I can tell. So, you know, yeah, fairly innovative uh, solution on this. Uh, it makes me wonder just who's going to say it's accidental, though, especially, you know, since it defaults to uh, on purpose, even if uh, they don't vote. You know, someone, you know, gets mad and, you know, walks away. Well, they're still going to default to the yes, it was uh, on purpose. And the fact that if you get flagged too often, you're going to get into the uh, punishment system on top of it. It makes me a little leery that they're going a little too far over, but... I also don't play Rainbow Six Siege, so I'm not sure just how often you, you know, team kill on accident. It's one of those games that it looks neat, but I think it would just infuriate me far too much. Yeah, that's fair. I Depending on how easy it is to abuse to do stuff to other players, you know, we could see... And it does seem, might see how bad it is. And it does seem like this is the first stage of a total fix because they do talk about explosives still being an issue that they're going to address later on. But that's uh, you know, something that they're going to deal with later. Right now, they're worried about this part of the problem. Which, yep, this, like I said, it has been a problem for Rainbow Six Siege and because it's a tactical game, losing one teammate can quickly change the uh, uh, the course of the game. Yeah. And this is um, and it's also small teams. It's what, 5v5? And no respawns? Yeah. No respawns during the match. You only respawn during a round uh, when the rounds change. But yeah, it's 5v5. I think there's different modes though for different amounts of people, but the default is 5v5. I've actually never played Siege. I've seen a few people play it. And seen it featured in a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah, it, it's an interesting looking <clears throat> game because there's a lot of uh, tactics to it, but it's also a very quick uh, time to death. Like there's a lot of yeah, you know, knock out a board to create a peephole and shoot people as they come around a corner thing. There's uh, yeah. it's a lot. It requires a lot of memorization, and also it didn't give free to play, but it's one of those games that is very grindy if you try to play it free to play. If memory serves correctly. 
And there's yeah, a, I think the best. Oh, I was going to say there's oh, sorry, also a starter edition that is pretty much a sucker's bet because the way that they have the grinding mechanic set up, it takes forever to unlock uh, new operators, new uh, classes, essentially. So you're better off just waiting for the full game to go on sale if you want to, you know, bind a premium. Yeah. All right, anyway, go ahead. Um. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> it's okay. It's not, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not like blaming you, but sort of, I, that thought has left my brain. Um, are there other games that you've seen do similar systems to this? Like I just pointed out World of Warships, uh, no, but is I, there anything else you can think of? I'm, uh, this was the first one I uh, you know, saw, but I didn't really pay attention to World of Warships. So I didn't know that mechanic was in there. So the fact that yeah they're doing something different is rather interesting. Yeah, this whole voting on thing is is interesting and definitely different because, like I said, in World Warships, it's just automatic. Whenever you yeah, do... but you also have to do it, uh, to several people in a short amount of time. So you know, there's a lot uh, yeah more leadway there. That's why I'm a little leery that this may be uh, 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 abused a little bit or potentially abused, yeah. especially that the. I think that's what sticks with me is the default to yes. You know, if it was a, you know, someone has to say yes, that uh, was on purpose. And it defaulted to no. I think that would be a little bit of a better system. But I, I think that we're splitting hairs at that point. It really depends on just how many times you have to be voted, you know, as a purposeful team killer before you start seeing consequences. Yeah, I think one is not enough. Um, three maybe. You know, like you can kill somebody by accident one or even two times in a match if it's like real tight or you know you make a mistake or whatever. But I feel like if you do it three or more times, you're either just genuinely doing it on purpose, or you're very bad and careless at the game, and you're more of a detriment to your team than a help. I'm helping. I'm helping. <laughs> but yeah it's just that that's the only thing that has me kind of you know uh, take pause with this system is that default to yes but it also like i said it depends on just how overall the entire system works beyond the uh, reflective damage yeah when does it let's see it goes live has it been the same thing about being up in like beta or something uh or is tomorrow the first day it's tested? I think tomorrow is the first day period. it's uh, tested at all because I didn't see anything about a beta. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see the inevitable YouTube video or article poster Reddit that's like, this thing ruins the game that I love so much. Let's it just ruins everything about it. Yeah, I'm just trying. Yeah, uh, explosives uh, will still deal damage to teammates even under reflective friendly fire. This is not intended and will be fixed in Season 2. Let's see. Uh, You can still cause damage, but... Oh, wait, that's on the explosives. Um, Okay, the effect of reverse friendly fire. So, on thrown objects, primary and secondary weapons, direct hits from thrown uh, unique gadgets, Uh, the Maverick's torch, so... Uh, after uh, it, the teammates will not receive damage whatsoever and will reverse damage on doubt. So uh, it would, uh, they're basically just shrugging it off and say, 
Uh, I'm Rapper Yerkalu. Right. Thinking of Taylor Swift Shake It Off in my head right now. Well, we did invoke the name of Biff, so, you know. We did do that. We have to scare him away with an appearance from Taylor <laughs> Swift. It looks like the exception is Claymores, but that's... Uh, these explosives do not trigger reverse friendly fire. Under reverse friendly fire, these also do not deal reverse damage. And you can't continue uh, uh, to damage teammates. So it looks like it's more the triggered or area of effect uh, or area triggered uh, uh, explosives. And that's not going to be a reverted change from what I can tell. That makes sense, but, though. But the, like, you drop but a this will, more, you run but off this and can it. change in the future with feedback and further game design considerations. So it's possible to change it later on, but that, that would be like reverse griefing. You know, somebody gets tagged with it and then they people purposely trigger a, a claymore. Yeah, so what they're doing with, with that makes sense. Let's see. Further changes for reverse friendly fire will continue during year four, season two. We will introduce situations where the system can activate for the entire for the whole squad. How gadgets will react and behave under reverse friendly fire will also be fine tuned based on data and feedback. We look forward to sharing future developments with you. So looks like yeah, this is the first time they're testing this. <laughs> Good luck, right? Yeah. I guess they don't have beta servers. Do you not have beta? <laughs> Maybe they just don't give a shit. Well, this is, this is Ubisoft, so... I mean, they are socially conscious at, at times, but other times they're just, you know, a little bit uh, unaware. Yeah. Lots of times. So, it'll be interesting to see just how, uh, you know, th this breaks the game. And, uh, you know, uh, it, this kills the game for everyone, right? <laughs> Yeah. I look forward to following on Steam charts. Oh, wait. I think it's good overall. I think it's a positive yeah, yeah, change I think, overall. I, yeah, I think it's a good it idea. Out. It's just going to be you know, the fine-tuning of it. And if it scares off people. Because I think that's the other thing is that it has the potential to scare off people for that you know, may accidentally do it every so, uh, every so often. Just because how it pretty much seems like it'll default to the uh, reverse friendly fire no matter what. Uh, well... I should say, it will default unless specifically told not to. But yeah, I think... I wish that the uh, neutral option didn't actually do yeah. anything. Sort of ignoring yeah, that's, it. Yeah that's, yeah, that's my big takeaway from it. Especially, you know, I imagine that, you know, tense situation. You know, somebody gets killed by friendly fire. They get frustrated, stand up, uh, step away for a moment, and they miss the vote. I could easily see that happen. So our final topic of the night uh, is a sort of a, a general topic that's a combination of a few recent news topics and some ongoing discussions about the game industry itself. Are AAA game studios scaring off new talent from entering the industry? Um, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out here here lately, or maybe over the last six months or so, and the frequency of the story seems to be excuse me, increasing. These studios who are easily forcing or maybe forcing is the wrong way to say it based on how they talk about it. But essentially uh, more and more people are coming out saying, yeah, uh, I'm having to work like 60, 70, 80, a hundred hour work weeks on the regular because of my, you know, because of the parent company's 
or because of the company's, you know, development schedule or unwillingness to hire more people or unwillingness to, you know, do bunches of stuff, basically. Yeah, there was an article. You know, I could go on uh, and on. Uh, that I didn't put on the docket, but uh, it was Blizzard talking about how uh, they're, they've dramatically cut back on the amount of crunch time for World of Warcraft. So the fact that World of Warcraft had crunch time you know, should say something, right? Yeah. But this this sort of always online, everything, games as service deal that the industry has just gone overboard on, you know, bet the farm on, essentially, is creating a never-ending development cycle, a never-ending crunch cycle where that there's constant demand for new content, new patches. Well, not just uh, that, but also... Uh, the fact that they treat employees as a disposable uh, resource. I mean, once again, Blizzard, they cut how many uh, jobs just this year? What was it? 800 yeah. or 900? Yeah, it was a good uh, it was a good chunk of their uh, esports with some artists as well. I don't think the programmers got hit as hard, but it's still, you know, in the game development field. Yeah. Because game development is a pretty broad field with, you know, sound design, music, coding, art, yeah, and, all kinds of stuff yeah, and just goes this into making a game. Just this week we have, yeah, Randy Pitchford, well, being Randy Pitchford, uh, an article about Star Citizen and some of the, uh, yeah, shenanigans going on with the development of that. We had Riot Games have an uh, employee walkout because of... Uh, riot Games had an employee riot. Uh, this was more orderly. I know, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I'll show myself out now. Yeah, get out. Get in the crate. <laughs> don't, don't put me there. I don't know if it'll mess with Craig's recording. Okay, I'll, I'll force you in the crate later. Okay. But um, I can't remember if it was this week or last week, but there was a similar story at Epic where the, the Fortnite development team was being forced into constant crunch. Uh, was it late last year or early this year that it was Rockstar with their 100-hour weeks for yeah. Red Dead 2? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's a never-ending cycle of just uh, this developer uh, has... Uh, horrible working conditions. This developer uh, cheated out uh, overtime. This developer uh, didn't pay off uh, uh, their employees and uh, closed down. It's just there's just so many horror stories that uh, as I was sitting here looking at the docket it's like, are we gonna have, not, uh, a drought is not quite the proper term of this, uh, for this, but a downturn on just the amount of good talent coming into the gaming industry just because of all the horror stories. And it seemed like, you know, a valid question where... So... We, oh, sorry, uh, well, go ahead. There's the call to unionize, but that seems to be just, you know, going nowhere, honestly. Yeah. And there's been calls for it over and over again, but uh, politicians just, you know treating game developers as the new, you know, or I, I shouldn't say even the new, the old uh, source of all ill in the uh, in the world. Uh, and then you, well, uh, let's do, uh, you know, uh, the Avengers in it as well. Then the resurgence of 
you know, hey, gamers are a bunch of jokes, right? Yeah. So it's not seen as a serious industry, and you know, part of me just is wondering just how much this is turning off future developers. I, you know, I can't. I, I, you know, I've never developed a video game, but there are some parallels to this that I've seen in the mental health field. So I'll I'll talk about that a little bit from my perspective and what I see happening and what I think is going to happen more and more in the games industry. And we've seen it a lot in the last few years, but I think we'll see it increase even more in the next maybe decade as we see how these big AAA studios decide yeah, should that whatever say, the next big thing is or however they're going to refocus. Yeah, and I should say before we get going, I don't think it's going to get to the point where you know there's no talent left for the gaming industry. I don't think that it's going to be like that. But I do think that we're going to be missing out on some really good artists, some really good writers, some really good developers, because they will be scared off by all these horror stories. Or at least I should say the ones that are paying attention. And the ones that aren't are going to be yeah, blindsided about this, and I think they'll you know, skedaddle. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the biggest parallel that I see between the AAA gaming industry and the mental health field is that there's this attitude that is, that is coming down from sort of on high where it's all about the numbers, always all about the numbers and their metrics I'm sure are different than the kind of metrics that we look at, but it stops being about, in their case, it would be the craft. In my case, it's the the patient or the client. But in their case, it would be about their craft. Because when you see a lot of these companies like, uh, you know, EA, you know, Electronic Arts, and what their old mission statement were, and we've referred to this a few oh, times. Uh, the, that open letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, we've, we've referred back to that a couple of times. And it's like, you know, these you see these companies, they used to have a great deal of, of passion and uh, drive. And soul. You know, to... to and soul that they put into their work. Whereas now it's just assembly line. How can we get the most return on every investment? And I, you know, I understand that it's always been a business. They always have to make money in order to keep going forward. I'm not saying that they should abandon that or say that they never should have left, you know, their roots in that case. Like I get it. They got to make money. Everybody's got to eat. People want to get rich, that sort of thing. But as the industry has become increasingly, uh, greedy and increasingly, you know, not even trying to hide it anymore that all they chase is, you know, money, higher returns on investments and stuff. What I think is going to start happening uh, is that you're going to have people that come out of school, come out of, you know, whatever programs that they're in and find a company, any AAA company and work there for two or three years, you know, complete a game or be part of a team that completes a game, maybe two and then you move on. You take that experience uh, and you use that to get any kind of training or certification that you need. And then you move on and you start your own studio or join a smaller, more independent team. Because that's what essentially has happened in the mental health field in the last decade, eh, maybe 15 years. So, even, you know, before I started, but, you know, I've kind of been watching it as I've gone along and I'm experiencing it now. Like what happens a lot of times is that you know, we are considered disposable, essentially. The, the, the higher up you are on the food chain, the more sort of pushback you can give. 
And as a therapist compared to, say, a case manager or a social worker or something like that, I do have a bit more sort of power in that situation. But the way that I look at my job and most of the other therapists that I work with and social workers and stuff is it's like, okay, the type of place that we're at, like, yes, we are doing this because we want to help people. We are doing this because we want to further, essentially, our career, our craft, comparing it to game design. But we're only going to be here two, three, four years, get those certifications that we need, get the experience to make a resume look good. And then the idea is to go to a smaller, more independent counseling center. So for me, it would be either my own private practice or a group, you know, a small group counseling center with maybe a half dozen therapists and, you know, caseworkers or something that work there. Everybody has smaller caseloads. You get a larger piece of the pie in terms of like the insurance money that you make and you don't you know find yourself buried in paperwork every day and I just see that as a pretty strong parallel essentially you use the big massive companies as a way to get that experience and instead of trying to move up within where you're at instead of trying to establish a you know a higher better position there once you've gotten what you need to further your own career goals, you move on. And I think that that's going to happen to a much higher extent. Things like that, I think, always happen in every industry, in every company. You've got people who just want to get the experience that they need for the certification, the license, the next level in their degree, whatever. Well, it's going to be a and lot then more high-profile in gaming. Right, but I think that you're going to start seeing that become the norm Instead of people trying to stay on with a studio to try and get maybe a, a higher position or a, a, a more a position with higher responsibilities or something like that, you know, you're going to see a lot more middle managers and shit like that within the gaming industry as more and more people sort of sort of start to come and go, you know, just getting something on their resume, getting those that experience, those certifications, and then moving on to a studio that better fits their needs, something within the double A or the indie sector. Or maybe even starting more, you know, single or small team development indie studios of their own. I think that's going to become much, much, you know, the norm. A much higher, uh, higher rate of that than exists now or that has existed in the in the past, maybe the last five, ten years. Yeah, I think uh, so. where it's going to be a bit different in gaming is... At least uh, for now, where certain creators are given more of a spotlight. As this shift happens, I think we're going to see more and more of a corporate focus for bigger games, where it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be the Chris Roberts uh, uh, today, you know? It's going to be, you know, the corporate mascot, the corporate figurehead from this. Uh, a studio that is uh, their mouthpiece almost like how it is in politics you know uh, how you have the uh, press agent yeah i think you get that to some extent yeah, from some of these companies gonna be a lot like more, phil spencer from microsoft yeah where it's not going to be talking about you know the team it's going to be a lot more detached as well which I think it's going to make the game seem a lot more disingenuous, or I should say talking about it, because they won't have the interior knowledge. So, you know, it, E3 is going to be interesting in a few years, I should say. Assuming there even is an E3, because, yeah, this year it's starting to look a little shaky, isn't it? 
Yeah. Only a handful of the big companies are left to do presentations. Well, at least uh, I won't uh, feel like killing myself this year. Most likely. <laughs> you know, I am a therapist, right? We can we can talk about these feelings that you have, develop a safety plan, you know, that sort of thing. Well, I don't need one now. EA's not uh, per- uh, presenting a show. Very true. Very true. You've gotten out of that bad relationship. Uh, I just had a thought. Do you think Devolver what? Digital is going to be like the last of E3 and they're, <laughs> they're just going to go insane? <laughs> Oh, it's Devolver Digital, and the E's will be threes. <laughs> I mean, Devolver has this whole Robocop thing, uh, thing going on now. <laughs> that was, I think, pretty much my whole point of what I had to say. Uh, that you think it's just going to be uh, people using the uh, AAA industry as kind of like a leg up to you know get the money ahead? Yeah. yeah but the, the problem with that is it's uh, good. If, if this happens too much... I think we're going to see uh, the AAA uh, gaming industry uh, start forcing people into non-compete contracts. Yeah, but there are plenty of game companies that do that already. Yeah, true. Make employees sound not non-competes to not go work for, you know, design studios that do similar games. Well, I or think whatever. they were. I remember from. Yeah. But I mean, you know, those non-competes would all have you know, a statute of limitations on them for her, how long they would last and certain stipulations. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think a non-compete clause. Hell, I'm just talking out of my ass. I don't know. Never mind. I'm just going to shut up. I don't know yeah, so, uh, how that works yeah, that's, legally. Uh, yeah. That's why I kind of threw it out there was I wasn't sure, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of if this becomes a trend, I think that, uh, you know, the suits will uh, try to stamp down on it. That's just my opinion on it, though. Doing a quick Google search on non-compete clauses or non-compete contracts. So, typically non-compete clauses are used to protect intellectual property and trade secrets. Non-compete clauses can become unenforceable if they try to be too strict. Uh, And then it gives some examples. uh, And one of those examples is controlling future employers or potential uh, entrepreneurial expeditions for the person that's signing on. So I guess it's maybe a legal gray area. They might be able to say, you know, you can't go work for our direct competitor for a while without, you know, some penalty, but they couldn't stop someone from joining their own or from creating their own business. seems like that, according to the language on this thing, is unenforceable. Granted, I'm just on rocketlawyer.com reading up on how non-compete clauses work. I'm sure the actual law is a lot more nuances or nuanced than that. Well, uh, well maybe it is rocket science. Maybe it is. It's just I'm, I'm so. trying to think of you know, uh, how they would try to stem that because that's that's one thing I've learned about the gaming industry after paying it, you know, closer attention to it. Uh, in the news the last well several years especially during the podcast is that if given the opportunity the big studios nine times out of ten will be major dicks yeah and and I know it sounds like I absolutely hate video games when I say something like that but it's more that I like video games and I'm able to say that (laughs) 
Because it's one of those things that you start noticing the pattern after you pay attention for a while. That, you know, the gaming industry does not view their consumers all that well. I mean, hell, just look at some of the... uh, uh, some of the big names, some of their Twitter feeds, it gets rather toxic. And I'm not even you know, going to throw a name. I mean, most of them, you can find something. It's just some is more than others. And I realize that everybody has a bad day. Everybody gets angry at uh, you know, over you know a potential catastrophe going on, or a potential backlash, or a review bomb, or something. But there are certain individuals in the gaming industry that you know tends to you know it pops up a lot more often and those tend to be the ones that are in more power i think that's fair to say right yeah i think so so i'm just i'm viewing this as if it goes the way you think it will i think that they'll try to control their employees a lot more i mean i just uh the forced arbitration in riot, where if I recall correctly, that makes it so they're unable to sue uh, based on discrimination. That, you know, that, that seems wrong somehow, right? Yeah, it does. Where's their studio located? Uh, like the actual physical location? Uh, they are b- 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 in Texas. Huh. Okay. Well, if they've if there's a state that they stand a chance of actually being able to enforce that in, Texas is one of the few. <laughs> but still, I feel like that would be extremely hard to enforce. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Uh, well, looks like they have a studio in Texas, but they also are based out of Los Angeles. So I'm not sure which is which. You know, or, you know where the walkout is. Well, if they're in California, I bet you that that won't hold up in a court of law their whole uh, inability to, to to sue to have lawsuits or whatever. Yeah, which uh, I know my brain I, just suddenly I know it's a me. lot more nuanced than uh, you know, just uh, inability to sue, but uh, you know, getting into the definition of forced arbitration, there's you know, it's a rather wordy article on Wikipedia. <laughs> well, forced arbitration at least in the United States typically rules in favor of the company instead of the individual. Yeah, yeah because, of course, uh, corporations are you know, the more important thing, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in the United States, corporations are people too, right? Well, and, and unless you know, they do something bad, then you know, it, they are no longer people and they cannot be punished for it, uh, like a person would. Right. So they get all the benefits and none of the downsides. I want to be a corporation... Can I be that instead of a human person? I want benefits with no downsides. Uh, I would settle for you having a decent internet connection. <laughs> because Me uh, you too. dropped out again there. <laughs> but I think I understood what you said, so let's go with that. Gotcha. Alrighty. Um, I think we'll move it right along then, if you have nothing else to add, because I don't think I do. No, I think you added plenty to that. It's just, I think, uh, our... I, I still think uh, we're going to be missing out on uh, some potential real masterpieces of uh, video games. 
Or maybe the indie scene will become a lot more important because that's also the other possibility that we didn't really highlight that, you know, there's going to be, well, uh, not an entry point in the AAA industry, but more people, uh, you know, doing the early days of Apple, you know, and just building things on their own in their garage. Yeah. I mean, I think the answer to that question is yes. Yes, and. We will see both of those things happen. But that was mostly just to avoid us talking about Randy Pitchford. <laughs> Let's be honest. Indeed. Because the guy's a little bit sucks. of a douche. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Yep. Okie dokie. So, Community Corner. Um, we did receive a video... From Jim. ...thing from Jim... But we want to. It was extremely long. Yeah, and, oh, sorry. Uh, when I said, and we want to take a lot more time to study it. To uh, well, more to watch some of the uh, responses to it because we both watched it, and I think we both agreed that it was very wordy. Yeah, uh, I want to watch it again because I had to watch it in sort of split chunks. I want to sit down and go through the whole thing at once, yeah. and then listen or watch some of the responses to the video. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I watched um, it pretty much straight through uh, outside of uh, asking if uh, you wanted to talk about it this week. Uh, but uh, I, I was less than enthused by it, mostly just because of how much they felt like they had padding on it or that it felt like it could have used a little bit more editing. Especially when he yeah. talked about, yeah, maybe I should talk about this before. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to go through it. We're going to watch it again, study it, go to go through some of the other responses, and then come back and talk about it next week as a, I guess, general yeah. topic or a news topic. Yeah, yeah unless, um, like, uh, you know, EA catches on fire or something. Yeah. But, uh, did, did I so just jinx EA? That n- uh, or did that, or did that unjinx them? Oh, no. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. My brain's on fire. Well, that's a first. Um, but anyways, yeah, so we will come back to that next week. We appreciate the suggestion, Jim. Uh, do you want to put a link maybe to that main video in the show yeah, notes? I'll, I'll drop it in. So that people can go watch yeah, it. Yeah, if you have a response to it or uh, any thoughts for it, you could send them to vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet them to us, vglpodcast. And we will include it into the general uh, discussion next week. We just wanted to take a little bit more time with it because... Yeah, it was an hour, ten minutes on just the first one. And each one of them, uh, each one of the responses are approaching that time, if not more. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of shorter ones, but most of them are very long. Yeah, I think the first one I'm going to watch is Learn French, though, because the video spent about half the time going over the legal definition of fraud. Yeah. So I think that's the, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And um, I'm sure there's something else that you could agree with. Is some music. Yeah. Go for the theme song. And once again, yeah, my first game is... Uh, well, it's a top seller on Steam right now, so... And I have no idea how to pronounce this. <laughs> what, what is More it? More Daru? More time. It is a multiplayer medieval slasher, so essentially a new version of, uh, and now I'm blanking on the name of it, uh, Chivalry. It is a top seller on Steam right now, so <laughs> there you go, right? 
Yeah. I mean, it looks interesting. Uh, there's a few people uh, talking about in the reviews that it doesn't have a colorblind option, and because it's red versus blue, and everybody bleeds like they're an anime and gets covered in blood, everybody turns red after a while. So that's definitely a problem that they have to uh, deal with, you know, pretty soon. <laughs> but overall, yeah. uh, depending on how, you know, how the game runs, because Chivalry had some real performance issues at times, it could be an interesting one to check out. Especially if you like uh, first-person slashers. So, you got anything going? Yeah, I'm going to copy the link over right now. Trying to, anyways. Come on. Pandemic Express Zombie Escape, which is not the best name, but this sounds like an interesting game. Um, it's got kind of a, a, a Left 4 Dead vibe, but it's uh, so it's a, a team of human players have to escape from zombies, uh, which are controlled by another human player. Um, and there's a train; you have to escape on the train. And it just looks like a, a, a neat take or a neat um you know reimagining of left for dead and uh you know since valve doesn't know how to count to three <laughs> if this is pretty pretty good i could get behind it yeah so i got another one immediately and this was uh, before my queue recycled this was the first game that i was really excited to ch- talk about because it looks really interesting u-boat this is essentially a sandbox survival meets this war of mine. You are in control of a German U-boat in World War II, and you have to manage your crew and keep them sane while carrying out missions. And it looks really interesting. Uh, we had something similar to this a few weeks ago in the Discovery queue. It was a, a multiplayer-focused game uh, uh, first person, uh, 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 a U-butt simulator, if I recall. And that's why I thought this was, yeah, popped up before, but no, this has a real, almost FTL-like uh, appearance about it, because it's uh, controlling a individual, well, I should say individuals in a crew instead, in sort of a uh, strategy game meets uh, Sim. It, it looks interesting. And it is an early access. It's an expensive one, but We've already had his cubeness pick it up, so uh, I look forward to hearing uh, what he says about it. Sounds uh, interesting. A, it sounds like it'd be up my yeah, alley. I'm, I'm a little concerned about the price tag because it's a $30 early access game. And that's a little bit on the expensive side, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, that's you know, getting up into the double A range. Yeah. But they're talking about full story campaign coming in uh, uh, throughout the entire period of World War II. New types of ships and aircraft, botting support, uh, adding polish. So yeah, you can see why I was interested in talking about it. Yeah. Um, so I got a, one that looks interesting. Epitasis? Gesundheit. Yeah, Epitasis. Um, looks like an... Uh, open world, or not open world, but a, a exploration sort of puzzle type game. It doesn't say anything about combat, um, but it looks like you get teleported to an alien world. And uh, technological relics, sprawling ruins, and cryptic puzzles are all that remain. If you learn their secrets, you can, or you must, sorry, if you are to learn their secrets, you must unearth the fate of the race that has called this world their home. 
It's just got a really nice art style. It feels like fairly... Oh, I see some stuff in there that makes me feel like Portal. Boxes <laughs> and force fields and things. Uh, is there uh, any uh, uh, giant buttons? Uh, yes. I like this. Although I don't see like a portal gun or anything like that, but some of the looks like puzzle elements are portal-esque. But anyways, it, it just looks neat. I like the art style. It feels very No Man's Sky art inspired. And that was one of the best things about No Man's Sky. Aside from the million shades of pink planets, there's a lot of interesting design elements in that game. I thought the it was the consumer backlash and just watching it burn. I thought that was the best thing about No Man's Sky. <laughs> Maybe back in the day, but No Man's Sky is a uh, an excellent game at this yeah, point. Yeah, and now it's given false hope to uh, many games of service games. I don't think No Man's Sky is a games-as-service game, though. Yeah, but people uh, keep saying, well, maybe it could turn into a No Man's Sky. Looking at you, Anthem. I see the comparison. But. So, I got yeah. Poyo Poyo Champions, which this is the second game of this uh, series that's come on Steam in the last, what, year? The last one was Tetris, wasn't it? Uh, easy to learn, tough to master. Challenge friends and family and local multiplayer or compete globally via online matchmaking. Because that's usually how you do it. Built for all ages, this puzzle game comes with a surprisingly competitive edge. I'm not sure how to describe this because it isn't quite match three, but yeah, it's close enough. It's sort of a match three Tetris. It, it does feel like it's, it should be a mobile game, but then again, yeah, these type of puzzle games typically feel like it because that's... Yeah, a majority of the crappier mobile games. So that's not really indicative of, you know, this game's quality, but more, you know, just the type of game. Yeah. Uh, but it's also on the cheaper side of uh, 10 bucks, uh, just released. So there you go. You're up. Triton Survival. This one just popped over. I'm getting a lot of VR titles for some reason. Hmm. Triton Survival. So, sci-fi, space, survival, crafting game. I mean, we've seen a million of these, but I'm also a sucker for this type of game. So, so no wonder it shows up. You know, makes sense that it would be here for me. It doesn't look particularly special or different. Well, I appreciate what I just got. But I like it. And okay, what'd you get? Star Wars Battlefront. Classic. 2004 edition. So the original Star Wars nice. Battlefront, which uh, it's been on Steam the entire time, hasn't it? Or is this a re uh, Battlefront Two was on? Oh, so Steam. they just recently re-added this, I guess. Uh, you know, building up the hype for Star Wars. Yeah, you know, it was uh, you know made a fourth. Uh, well, what four days ago? Because yeah. we are after they may have done. They may have done not necessarily a remaster, oh, but this a, looks, a big update because well, they did that with Battlefront Two. I'm not sure if they changed where they added anything. like they added first person mode. I think I think I read somewhere that they put the first person mode in the first one, which originally the original Battlefront One and Two only had third person mode, but Battlefront Two added a first person mode after the 2015 Battlefront released. Um, and oh, I, so you I, can play a good I Battlefront in uh, first person. Yes, exactly. 
It plays pretty well in first person. In this Battlefront Two does. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's a 2004 game, so yo, it's not going to be cutting edge graphics, but it doesn't look terrible either. No. I mean, there's some definitely uh, some rough textures or some rough uh, geometry, but it's 2004. Besides, it's not like EA is going to do anything good with the license, most likely. Uh, I just got Pandemic Express, so I could skip that. Hello. Assuming you haven't gotten this. Uh, I think this would be one you'd skip anyway. You got anything? No, I just finished my queue. I had most... I had like eight, seven or eight VR titles. I still have... Like everything I... I still have five remaining after this. Uh, this is an early access title that... Ooh, that is a... Quite the price on it. The Last Epoch. Uh... The Last Epoch combines time travel, exciting dungeon crawling, aggressive character customization, and endless replayability to create an action RPG for veterans and newcomers alike. So, interesting combination. Adding time travel on that. Uh, you have it on your want list, but then again, what do you not have on your want list? Yeah, who knows when I've seen this. Uh, looks like beta... <laughs> Beta <laughs> it, it will be available until our full release, which is slated for April 2020. So you have it, yeah, you know, just under a year for their slated uh, release. I mean, the question is if they make that or not, because yeah. Let's see. Okay. Wait, what? At full release, slated for uh, April 2020, the game will be priced lower than the early access price. What? Yeah, what? Supporting now uh, lets your uh, voice shape the design of the game, so you're paying a premium to be able to get in early. Okay. Interesting way to play that, but sure. Looks like they have an interesting class system of five uh, base classes, and then each class is, uh, can branch off into three different uh, subclasses. Like, uh, the rogue could be a falconer, a marksman, or a blade dancer. Sentinel could be a forge guard, a void knight, or a paladin. Primalist could be a shaman, a beastmaster, or a druid. So, interesting. It looks like the acolyte is pretty much just all undead stuff. Warlock, necromancer, or lich. So, yeah, pick your flavor of evil, right? Yeah. Little concern that they have a cosmetic uh, currency in this. Uh, buying the last epoch through Steam gets you the Agent Gladiator support pack, which has 350 cosmetic coins. So that's that's a warning sign, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a big warning sign. 350 worth. Tree And I just got a VR title, but it's a popular one, so I'll throw it on my list anyway. Beat Saber. Supposedly a really good uh, uh, VR title, as long as you don't have anything within striking distance and you in real life. <laughs> uh, 3D, uh, just, you know, well, you're beating, uh, you're, it's a VR rhythm game. And happy to follow the lights uh, uh, with your uh, well, motion controls. I have seen a few videos of people trying to play it and knocking the ever living fuck out of someone, though. So, make sure there's nothing within arm's reach of you. That's at least fragile. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll add that to my list anyway. Uh, oh, that looks terrible. 
that. Uh, hang on, processing. This is interesting enough that I'll throw it on. It's an expensive game, or at least for what it is. A single player and co op survival adventure. So, yeah, it could be up your alley, right? Maybe. Fade to silence. Yeah, it doesn't look terrible. I mean, there's some definite odd uh, screenshots in this, but then there's some that yeah, look actually somewhat pretty. Looks like it has some sort of demonic thing going on with it, which is interesting. But then there's uh, uh, yeah, some sort of like hellhound dog sledding. <laughs> hellhound dog sledding? Good. Scary looking things? Not so good. Let's see, this game is entirely too linear and obvious for that. Uh, for it to be a real survival game. So it looks like it's uh, sending you down a very uh, set path, and it looks like it has some crashing issues, and that's causing some real bad reviews for it. But even then, it's still sitting at 64, so that's something at least. So it's not terrible, but something to yeah, be wary of. Right. Uh, that doesn't look all that interesting. And that looks like a mobile port. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a very 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 basic uh, uh, platformer. So I am done with my queue. Yeah. So you had seven, I had three. Although I had like six or seven VR titles. I don't know what was up with me getting so many VR titles. Well, this I had week, two but... VR titles, and I added one to my list just because it's popular. You know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, I'm following around. Uh, I'm, I'm following the kids, man. Woohoo! I'll be popular one of these days. Chase that youth. Just don't chase it uh, too close, otherwise you end up like Randy Pitchford. Oh, no. <laughs> or do you even know about that one? Uh, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> the the porn yep. on the USB drive? Yeah. Yeah, the work USB drive. That you lost. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. Yeah, I feel bad for buying the Borderlands games. What can I say? Fair. Oh, something else I could say is the socials, right? Indeed. Hit him with them socials, Rage. Oh, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on YouTube with Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. And maybe someday you'll find me over on Twitch again. Because, yeah, I've been... Uh, I've been putting it off, firing it up again. Because... Uh, it's a bit of an investment, and I have—I still have YouTube to get going again. So that's been my big focus. And you've been gaming psychologist. If you want to find my stuff on the YouTube's, you can do so by searching for gaming psychologist. If you want to follow me on Twitter? You can do so at JMA four seven zero seven. Where I tweet about all kinds of different things. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to JR three four seven zero seven. And if you wish to know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Biff. Uh, Biff seemed like a fitting one, don't you think so? Indeed. And I did see it on my list, so there we go. And once again, if you wish to contact us, uh, well, if not directly through the podcast, you can do so at VGLpodcast at 
gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us at BGL Podcast. If you was to be uh, one of our lovely, lovely patrons, you could do so over at patreon.com slash BGL Podcast. And our patrons have supported us through our Podbean account, bglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts, well, the show, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff. But if you don't wish to mess with RSS, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Except for that one, because fuck that one. And I can't remember which one it is, mm-hmm. but Jared probably does. And he's not at all. <laughs> Are you talking about Spreaker? Yeah, that one. The one I could never say properly. Gotcha. Maybe you should try that one again sometime. I probably should. I've actually got an email from them. It's like, hey, your free storage is full. Do you want to come change it or maybe upgrade? I'm just like, nah, it's fine. It probably has like episode 20 on it. That's probably where the RSS uh, conversion went. Uh, But something else that, uh, well, that isn't full is our intro and outro music. And that's a terrible transition, but let's go for it anyway. It's On the Ground by Kevin yep. McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is doobly doo by the same artist. You can find his work at Incomputech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. See you next time. You saying that remind reminds me of something. So, I don't know if this will be Frankie content or sticking the regular show, but one of Katie's friends, like, she's trying to, or they're trying to, like, get us to be friends, like, so her friend's husband and me, and so we're all in this group chat, and we've started talking, like, a little bit, and he brings up, like, uh, a couple of video games that he plays, and asking me what kind of games that I play. And then all of a sudden he's like, hell yeah, you should try Scum. Scum's really cool. I like that a lot. And I was like, Scum, is that the Devolver Digital uh, Battle Royale game? He's like, yeah, I love Battle Royale games. That and Fortnite and PUBG. And I was, I just posted in the chat. I was like, I'm not sure that we're going to get along all that well. <laughs> but, you know. He's, it's interesting. Like, he doesn't fit sort of the... You know, the air quotes demographic for those types of games. I don't think, I don't think he's in their target audience. He's in his like mid forties, but I don't know. I suppose anybody could like Battle Royale. Mm -hmm. It just seems to be that younger kids like him more than older adults, but yeah, what do I know? I guess it also depends on just how much, uh, uh, of a fan of, I guess, thrillers you would be because of how the tension builds up. Yeah. Don't know about that. Have to ask him about that stuff next time we chat. Uh, whenever you ask him. So do you play any real games? <laughs> <laughs> he asked me what kind of games, games that I play. And I was like, oh, stuff that's a lot slower paced. That doesn't really have an ending. I was like, Factorio, Space Engineers, Kerbal Space Program, EVE Online. And he was like, oh, you're one of those people. And I just... I, I didn't. I didn't respond in the chat for a minute. I just kind of shook my head, like, 
Yeah, I'm one of those people. Yeah, and fuck you. <sighs> Get off my space lawn. Well, if if you want, I could leave them fake in, battle royale game. If you want, I could leave them in the bottom of the mines in uh, Stardew Valley. Nice. Uh, I'm yeah, like uh, ten there. levels away from it now. Fancy. Yeah, still playing it. <laughs> Me too. Although not as much. My kid wanted to play Lego Marvel superheroes instead of well, I'm uh, also, uh, Stardew Valley. I'll make my farm look a lot more pretty. So I'll, I'll show you ne- next time I take a screenshot of it. I'm still in the winter though, so. I'm putting down uh, walkway, so I have a clear path through my farm now. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, 